the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a message series called Something Beautiful for God, discussing what the Bible says about humanity, sexuality, marriage, and procreation. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, groundedandgrowingradio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. I'm going to be reading today from 1 Corinthians 7. I'm going to start at verse 25. I'm going to read through verse 35. I'm going to be talking specifically about singleness or singlehood. Now, concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it's good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you've not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and let those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as if they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order. And secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is notoriously one of the most challenging chapters to understand in the book of 1 Corinthians. Itself a book that has a few different challenging sections. As I was in preparation for this message, I wrote several different messages this week before kind of zeroing in on what I wanted to talk about because one of the challenges of this section of scripture is there are a bunch of different parts of it that are contested, that are a little bit confusing, that are difficult for us to work our way through, that are difficult for us to think through. 
First Corinthians chapter seven is a chapter in which Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is giving to Christians a whole host of different ways that they are called to honor God with themselves, with their bodies, with their sexuality. Up to this point in the text, I just want to run through some of the things that Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, is giving encouragement to the church about. He tells the married uh, that they should maintain sexual relations in chapter 7, verses 1 through 7. He tells the unmarried and widows, hey, stay unmarried unless you can't, then get married. For Christian married couples in verses 10 and 11, he tells them don't divorce. For Christians married to unbelievers in verses 12 to 16, he tells them stay married. He gives them this major principle, remain as you were called. And then in verses 25 through 35, he gives this counsel to single adults. And that's what we're going to be talking about in our time together today. We're going to be talking about singleness or singlehood. And, and instead of wanting to kind of trying to parse out some of the conflict as it relates to all of this, I want to try to draw your attention to some of the main points that are made here in this brief section of scripture. Because this is powerful and potent to us. It's, a, it's powerful and potent because it's God's word and all of God's word is powerful and potent. It's powerful and potent to us because it can offer something of uh, a corrective to the way that some churches are or act or operate. It can offer a corrective to ways that we sometimes think. Because Paul says something that's interesting here. He says that it's better to be single than it is to be unmarried. Than it is to be married. It's better to be unmarried than it is to be married. Now, there's a reason for this. He's not saying that you are automatically holier if you are unmarried than if you are married. What he's saying is that, you know, the, the goal of the Christian life is honoring God and living with an eye to eternity and the kingdom of God. And if you're hoping to do that, there are some practical benefits to being single. There are some practical benefits to being single, which make it simpler, which make it easier for a person to pursue and seek first the kingdom of God. So let's work our way through the text. The first thing that is noted here is that the Bible tells us and the apostle Paul tells us that you are free to choose marriage or being single. You're free to choose marriage or being single. Now understand this is in the concept of where you're at. Like if you're married right now, you're not free to choose being single. Now that you hear this section of scripture, you're married already. You're going to stay in that, right? But the, he's writing to unmarried people and, and it's translated the betrothed here and, and some translations translate it singles, some translations translate it virgins. But what he's saying here is that if you are a person who is at present unmarried, you have the ability to choose marriage or being single. Now, this is something that is remarkable in a couple of different ways. The first is that it relativizes a lot of what had gone before. All throughout the Old Testament, there was a promise that had been given to the people of Israel. From the time of the fall, the Lord God had come and uh, appeared to the man and the woman, and he had promised that the, the seed of the woman would one day crush the head of the serpent. And so there was a 
a promise that was given to Adam and Eve and then the line of Israel that, uh, that a child would be born. There was a specific hope that would come through childbearing. And so it was very important for Israel to continue itself because the Messiah would come from the people of Israel. And because of that, there was some shame associated with not being married or not being able to have children because the promise of the one to crush the head of the serpent was going to come through a child that would be born to this people group. But Jesus, you see, has come. He has lived. He has died. He has been raised from the dead. And he creates a new community, the church, that's not based upon nationality or ethnicity or any other such thing. And so the hope that was belonging to Israel of a child that would be born has been realized. Jesus has come. And so therefore, there's not the same need for marriage or children as there was in the old covenant because the family now spans the whole earth. It encompasses all those who come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's every nation and tongue and tribe and people and language. And there's not the same burden to then be married or to have children. This was also pretty radical in this particular time that he was writing because within the Greco-Roman context into which Paul was writing, people would find their identity in their family lineage, in the family of which they were a part. And that identity would be preserved through marriage and, and continuing that legacy and that lineage through the children that were born to you. But what the scriptures tell us in 1 Corinthians, what he's going to tell us in just a a few more chapters is that we are a body of Christ Jesus that we're characterized by a new identity. And so believers who come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ don't have the same pressures to preserve their legacy or lineage because their legacy and lineage is that of Christ Jesus, is that of being a part of the church. And therefore, therefore, don't put pressure on yourself one way or the other. If you are a single person here this morning, if you're looking ahead to what life is going to hold for you, you need not put pressure on yourself one way or the other. Now, I just got to tell you that I put so much pressure on myself related to this sort of stuff when I was a young single man. Like, I had a desire to be married. We should all be like this young man, and I mean that. No pressure. It's wonderful. I put so much pressure on myself to, uh, to be married, and, I, I, and it stole so much joy, right? Because so much time that could have been devoted to the Lord and to his ways was spent thinking like, why can't, why can't I be married? Why can't I find someone? This was an unhelpful, unspiritual pressure that I placed on myself. Don't put that pressure on yourself. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now more from Pastor Derek in our series called Something Beautiful for God, discussing humanity, sexuality, marriage, and procreation. 
the Christian is free from the type of identity marker that the world offers. And so to the unmarried, you don't need marriage to make you whole. You don't need marriage to form your identity. And parents who are raising children, make sure that you relativize marriage in the same way as 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Marriage, Paul's not saying marriage is a bad thing. He's just saying that it's one of two potential options. And that if he were to choose, then unmarriage is the better option. Don't train your child to think that the hope of their life is to be married and have children and raise a family. But to be a Christian who's a part of the church. As you raise your children, help them to realize that they are whole people. Whole persons in whatever state they find themselves, married or single. Then the text goes on and gives us two reasons why singleness can be better than marriage, that singleness is better than marriage. Reason number one is that you'll have troubles. Reason number one is that you'll have troubles. This is what the text says here. This is what I, uh, he says, and those who deal with the world is, oh, sorry, but if you, in verse 28, but if you do marry, you have not sinned, and if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned, yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. Now, hearing that, you're like, man, worldly troubles? Maybe you're like, I, yeah, I've been lo- married long enough to know that that's the case, that marriage, marriage carries with it some worldly troubles. I'll just tell you about one of the troubles that we have in marriage. Um, this is going to be, you know, not a serious one, you know, because I don't want to air our dirty laundry. When I was single, I could go to Dunkin' Donuts whenever I wanted. Anytime I wanted. I could buy an extra large coffee, $3.05. Now that I have a wife and children, Dunkin' Runs are so much more expensive. We go and there are two of us that want to have coffee. And if we pull up, Robert will not let us leave that place unless we buy some donuts. And Elsie will make it clear that if we have driven to this place, we've definitely got to have donuts. And then I get a donut because my children are terrible influences on me. And whereas before I could, you know easily resist now that my children are inciting me to donut enjoyment. I I can't. And so I leave. It's uh, four times as expensive now as it was when I was a single person. And that means I'm not made of money. I go to Dunkin' one fourth as often as before I was married. That's obviously a frivolous example. But I'd be able to enjoy so much more coffee if I... In all seriousness, though, once you get married... There are a whole host of different troubles that are yours that did not exist beforehand. Not only is your Dunkin' trip more expensive, but all of a sudden you have have scraped knees to clean up, and you have bottoms to wipe, and you have much more to clean. You have way more to cook. You have so many more financial resources that are needed, and more time spent planning how you're going to pay for this or that or the other thing, or where those resources might be, or how you're going to accomplish that. Now that you have been married, things that... Uh, you could have been free to do, you can't do any longer. There can be pains that you experience that you would not have experienced had you not been married. All of a sudden, there are nights that are spent wondering where your children might be. 
Some experience the pain of children walking away. Your spouse can hurt you more deeply than any other person can hurt you. And all of this is part of the difficulty that marriage brings along with it. Again, that's not to say that marriage or family is a bad thing. It's a very good thing. It's just to acknowledge that there are difficulties that come along with it. And as Paul says here, I would spare you that. At this particular time, it seems that he was writing in a time of substantial economic downturn where food was scarce and resources scarcer. And given that and given the light of eternity, he's saying, hey, this is, this is trouble. Just be aware of it. And so you're free to choose it or you're free to choose something else. Reason two kind of turns the screws a bit more. It's easier to have one's attention diverted. I want you to be free from anxieties, the text says in verse 32. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit, but the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. When somebody is married, it is easy to have one's attention diverted. It's easy to have one's attention, which was being placed on the Lord, all of a sudden being fixated on family needs. And some of that is because when one is married, one should see to their family needs. I'll give you an illustration of this sort of thing, which again, is an easier one to understand. I played ultimate frisbee when I was in college a club ultimate frisbee the best guy on the team was a guy who was a senior he got married between his junior and senior year he had been the best player on the whole team but once he was married he cared a little bit less about ultimate and he should have I mean his wife was way better than this club sport that we played together right and so he started dropping practices and then he started taking leaves of absence and then he started coming back and and when he came back there were two or three or four or five players who had kind of stepped ahead of him in ability and and then eventually he was like you know what guys I can't be married and also do this right Now, that was a good choice. It was good for him to choose his wife over sports. I just want to tell you that, all right? It's good to choose your wife over sports. It's good to choose your husband over sports. But but you can think about that and apply it to sort of the life that is lived for the Lord. It may be that somebody is training hard in godliness, and then they're married, and all of a sudden, they realize my goodness, I now have the responsibility of pleasing the Lord, but also pleasing my spouse. And in the text here, it's, it talks about husbands who have the responsibility to please their wife and wives who have the responsibility to please their husbands. And so it can be easy to divert one's attention that had been given to God and place it on the spouse. It's easier to have one's attention diverted. You don't have the ability to drop everything for someone anymore. Let me give you one more example. When I was in grad school, I was a single man. It was a Friday afternoon. I was at a church picnic. I was a part of a church in the Wheaton area. We had a whole church picnic. One of my friends called me in the middle of it. I took the phone call, and he told me really, really sad news. He said, my, my, parents, my parents just divorced. 
I could tell he was terribly broken up about it. He lived in Grand Rapids. And I knew that it was a good thing for me to try to care for my friend. And so I said, I'm coming. I'm on my way to Grand Rapids right now. So I left the church picnic. I uh, didn't tell anyone where I was going. I didn't need to. Nobody had to worry about me or where I was going. So I left. I got in my car. I loaded up some clothes. I drove to Grand Rapids. I slept on his couch. I drove back Sunday evening. I arrived, slept in my car, got up, and went to work the next morning. Just gone. Nobody at church wondered where I had gone, right? Because I wasn't responsible to any sort of person. But let me tell you, if I got a call on a Friday and I just left and I didn't tell anyone where I was going and I was in Grand Rapids, that would not go so well for me at this particular point in my life. Because I can't just drop everything for the sake of another person, nor should I. Because to just run out on my family for a weekend to care for somebody is not something that I should do any longer as a person who is married or as a person who would need to preach on a Sunday now. And so this means that one's attention that can be put on the things of the Lord is more easily diverted. Now again, let me just say in all of this, The point is not to say that marriage is a bad thing. It's a very good thing. The point is to say that the things of God must be an ultimate thing. And that is what verses 32 through 35. uh, Sorry, that's what verses 28 through 31 tell us. So let me read these to us. 28 to 31. I'll tell you, 29 to 31. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealing with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. All right, so what does that mean? This is part of what's confusing about 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Part of what is confusing about 1 Corinthians. So, so if, you, if, you are, if you have a wife, you should live as though you had none. If you mourn, you should live as though you were not mourning. If you rejoice, you should live as though you were not rejoicing. What in the world could this possibly mean? Well, what all of these things tell us is not that a Christian should never mourn. Not that a Christian should never rejoice. Not that a Christian should never buy things. Not that a Christian should totally avoid the world. And certainly not that once somebody becomes a Christian, they should ignore their spouse. You should not go home after this and refuse to talk to your husband and wife and be like, why are you ignoring me? And then just like point to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 30. No, this is not to ignore your spouse. It's not to, it's just to say, hey, the ultimate goal for every Christian person is to live in the light of eternity is to live in the light of eternity. And therefore, make sure that nothing, nothing, not a single thing, takes the place of the Lord in your life. It means that your wife or your husband must not be first. It means that your mourning or rejoicing must not take away your attention from the Lord God. It means that nothing that you should buy should captivate your attention like the Lord God does. It means that your dealings with the world should all be put in subjection to God and his will and his ways. 
It means that we are people who are called to actively and passionately pursue the way of God. And what Paul tells us is that that is just practically simpler. If you are not needing to focus on any broader group of people than yourself. And that because of this, there are some practical benefits to being single. But the call to all of us this morning is to make sure that we make use of all of the responsibilities that we have, the goods that God has given to us, and our family or single life to serve God. Everything that we have should be leveraged in service to God. Our passionate desire should be for him and his ways. This should call us to repent if we have made an idol of the family, if we have... uh, talked to other people as though the goal of one's life is to be married and have a family and have kids and that that's what really makes for a good life. No, the good life is this, that is lived, whether married or single, in passionate pursuit of the Lord God. And therefore, that is what we are all called to today, passionate pursuit of the Lord God, whether married or single relativizing all of our other needs for the sake for the sake of the kingdom of God which must be first and foremost this means that the idol the, the family cannot be an idol this means that life must be lived for God and for God alone that is your call christian that is all of our call this morning heavenly father thank you for this section of scripture we praise you for the words that you've given to us written by Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, beneficial for us. We pray that we might hear and heed these words today. We pray that we might listen to what it is that you are saying to us in your word. We pray that we would be a church that welcomes the married and the single, the young and the old, to come and hear the gospel message and follow Jesus. We pray that we might honor you with our whole selves, whether married or unmarried. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema, and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, may God bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.